And I think if we start thinking about what we're doing, the power that we have as a community, it's not about me or it's not about one person. But if we pool our resources together, we're that much stronger. And I think when we think about the amount of money that we spend, if we take the black money out of the equation from a state perspective, it would certainly have an adverse impact on the overall state's economy. And what we must do as a community is that we must think about all community as value to the entire universe. Mm -hmm. It's not just some people, right? Mm -hmm. But it's all of us. How do we ensure that we're creating that one Rhode Island that we can be proud of? It's not just you have to live in a certain area, right? It has to be a place where we feel that we're valued, we're respected, and that we matter. It has to be. Yes, yes, y'all. This is Sonic Watermelons here on BSRLive.com. Brown student and community radio. Shit. Sonic Watermelons, it's Tuesday night, you know how we do. DJ Kellen opening it up with something nice, something so very, very nice. Um, Razor writes, you know, we got Miss Jessica in the studio as well. So we've got the Sonic Watermelons team here. And we're talking about some pretty important topics with a very important lady. And so I want to kind of set the scene also, right? And so I talked a little bit about this in in our opening post. People are talking right now about black-owned businesses. We are here in Rhode Island. It's time to talk about black-owned businesses in Rhode Island. Lisa Wranglin, you are here. How are you doing? What organization are you representing? I am doing fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I serve as president of this awesome organization called the Rhode Island Black Business Association here in Rhode Island. The Rhode Island Black Business Association, how long has it been around for? The organization is um, just celebrated its fifth year in March of this year. We actually started as an interest group back in 2010 and became a full-fledged organization in 2011. So we're excited to celebrate our fifth year this year. That is exciting work. So you're not from here, right? That's correct. Talk I am. a little about your personal background, and then we're going we're gonna to talk about this because my family is not from here, and there's something about being from here and not being from here. Talk about your personal background a little bit. So I am all the way from Kingston, Jamaica. I've been here in Rhode Island for almost 30 years, so August 22nd, I'll actually be celebrating my 30th year right here in Rhode Island. I absolutely love the state, but I grew up in Jamaica, Kingston, Jamaica, and I came here when I was a teenager, and I've called Rhode Island home from the last, you know, I would say 1986. So I, I guess I can consider myself a Rhode Islander, um, but certainly my home, my home is really Jamaica. So 
my family comes from South Carolina and Texas. I have family living in D.C., living in California. I make it out a lot. I made it out for college for a little while. Common question, right, is there are black people in Rhode Island, right? So if we just kind of take that step further, there's a need for a black business association of Rhode Island? Like what? I mean, or in Rhode Island? So talk about that. Talk about how, how you would answer that question. So, um, and, and we get that question quite often, right? So we were the Rhode Island Black Chamber of Commerce, for some of us that know us way back when. And one of the reasons why we changed our name was really the need. So hence why the organization was started was um, there is no other organization out there that's specifically focused on developing black-owned businesses. We know that here in the state, Rhode Island, um, the unemployment is really high, especially for the urban core when you're talking about either you know, blacks or Latinos. And we know when companies are thriving, whether it's a black or a Latina company, when they're thriving, um, they create real jobs. And what we're focused on is really to create opportunities, have these companies growing and thriving so they can create real jobs and put people to work. And we know when we're impacting um, job creation, we know that we're impacting families. And when families are being impactful, we'll see a domino effect on how children are learning in school and also overall on the state's economy. So, you know, I'm just here in Rhode Island. I'm a, a black woman, an entrepreneur, and I'm ready to, to start my business. And I snap my fingers and what appears? Anything. Reba appears, and Reba is an organization that kind of creates that blueprint for you. So when we think about business development in general, holistically and, and, and just in general, there is an issue around gaining access to capital that you may need to start your company. And what we do from an organization is to help companies really define is there a need for what I'm trying to do? So everybody, you know, it's, it's you know, some want to create something, some want to start their company. But what we say, let's take a step back and evaluate whether or not there is actually a need for the services that you're going to provide. Is there a market for it? What's that long-term sustainability? Are you creating or closing a gap that exists today? So, yes, we know that the unemployment rate here is very high, and people tend to say, if I can't find a job, I want to go out and create a job. But we say... That may be a great approach if there's a gap for that service that you're going to provide or that product, but make sure you're doing your due diligence, and we're here to help companies do that. You know, I want to get back to some more of these, like, really specific tips like that, right? Because I think, like, when we think about the listeners of Sonic Watermelons, like, we're definitely trying to talk, especially in a show like today, to the people who are in the trenches, like, really trying to start their businesses. But I think, and this is part of what you and I were talking about, the time of year we're dealing with. It's also an election year. So we, we, we have to think a little bit about policies. And it kind of brings me back to this access question that you yourself brought up. And I'm wondering about um, how Rhode Island compares to other states in terms of um, access to capital, access to leadership, um, access to facilities. Like, what's it looking like here? So um, it's, again, Rhode Island being the smallest state, I would expect it to be better. Um, it's not where it needs to be from creating that equal opportunity for all, hence why the Rhode Island Black Business Association is here. Um, there's still a lot of obstacles, again, not just for a black-owned firm, but also for women-owned firms. And we think, um, you know, the governor is talking about sparking the economy. The governor is talking about bringing companies here in the state. And for us, 
I think those are great things to do. But we also need to invest here in companies that are right here in the state. We have micro companies here that are not thriving. They're not growing because they lack investment. And what we're challenging the, the governor and other elected officials to do is really to step up. Step up in a meaningful way and invest in companies so they really can create jobs. We know across this nation, companies are creating, small companies and small firms create more jobs nationwide. And we know what the right level of investment they can do it right here in Rhode Island. So I challenge the governor to step up and do more. Who who else is a, an access point that we need to knock on that door a little louder? So, so I think it would be all, you know, elected officials. I mean, I think they have the power to change the issues that we've been seeing, whether it's around, um, you know, access to capital, whether it's around access to contracts. We know that we have a law on the book since 1986 that talks about 10% of dollars that spend should go to minority-owned firm and women-owned firm. That law has been on the book since 1986. has never been complied with. Mm. We need to do better. I mean, we're talking about 30 years later, and we were talking about a very small pie, right, 10%. From an organization, from our organization perspective, we're not talking about 10%. We think that's a benchmark. For us, we really want access. And you're talking about, because again, you just referenced here on Sonic Watermelons, right? This new project coming up and these new investments that our governor is talking about. So we're also, we're talking about a 30-year gap in compliance but a year in which dozens of projects come come up or something like oh yeah there you know there's company you know either coming into the state um, the the governor is always talking about bringing companies into the state and I think that's wonderful but I think we don't want to not invest in companies that are here today because we know those companies that are in the urban core they will really hire people from those communities and when those companies in those urban communities are thriving they hire it directly within their community. So we see it as a win-win for all. You know, I'm reminded and I'm just thinking like, um, you know, so DJ Kellen, right, who opens up the show with music every week, right? It's like you almost have this like Clark Kent Superman thing, right? Because he's, like, he's a community activist. And so I'm like, you know, again, we're sitting, if we're talking about Sonic Watermelons and who's listening and who's part of the family, we're also talking to activists. And so you're reminding me, this isn't just a state thing. Like, um, Rhode Island, uh, Providence has like the first source hiring ordinance, right? And I know that DARE um, is one of, I'm sure, many organizations who has compiled lists of unemployed people who are looking for work. So we can't even really say or accept we didn't know anymore. Right. No, I mean, you know, when you when you look across the state, one of the other thing that we're tackling from an organization perspective is around ensuring that we have people in decision making roles. So when you look across the entire state, very few people of color are actually in leadership roles. And one of the things that the Rhode Island Black Business Association is doing, we're kicking off an executive leadership training. And that's really to identify what we're calling high potential leaders. And we want to tap into the top 50 companies in the state and ask them to pledge, that they will make a pledge to hire people of color, people that are qualified, people that they said they can't find. If they reach out to the Rhode Island Black Business Association, we will help them identify those talented professionals that are ready to go. They're ready to start on day one, but they need an opportunity. Again, we need to create that level playing field where everyone feel like they have that same shot at being successful gaining access to meaningful employment. And I think with the right level of commitment and pledge, we can make it a reality.
And I think this is a good time to remind folks, you're listening right now to Sonic Watermelons, and we've got Lisa Wranglin here from Rhode Island Black Business Association, who is the president of the organization, talking to us and telling you if you're a business owner and if you're part of the Fortune 500 and Fortune whatever it looks like and we call it here in Rhode Island, you should be reaching out. (laughs) Absolutely. And one of the reasons why I think it's so imperative, I mean, when we think about the change in demographic here in Rhode Island, we know that the population, the people of color, we're growing. And when you look at the workforce today, we don't have that same level of diversity in the corporate America, right? We need to fix that. And I think companies, you know, large firms need to really partner with an organization like us. Just saying you can't find qualified people of color is not an excuse, it's not an answer. We're here to help you. We can help you identify really high potential leaders that will be a, a, a value to your company. We're not telling you to go out and hire people that are not qualified. We have qualified people ready and looking for gainful employment, and they need an opportunity. They need that first open door. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we have seen historically with the community of color um, from a professional standpoint, they lack sponsorship. Everyone wants to offer me- you know, mentors, and I think being a mentor and mentorship is really great. Talk about it. But I think what we need from a community perspective, especially black and latina professionals we need sponsors somebody that says hey i'm willing to sponsor you and what that means if a job opens up they're going to say i think john doe will be great give them an opportunity for an interview and let that person sell themselves and i'm sure if they're given the opportunity they'll be really able to land that position and be really successful in that in that work environment I, I mean, this is like the kind of thing. I mean, it's reminding me like uh, we had uh, Jess. I know you're over there tweeting. We had right uh, the folks who were talking about Trinity Rep and um, the issues that they they feel and their criticism um, regarding sort of racial issues in that space. And I, we, we talked in that interview. Right. Uh, <laughs> one of the, the guests said, you know, and. I'm not trying to do this workshop for free, right? And it was like, you know what? Some people are ready to do the workshop and ready to be paid for it. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean... I I mean, you know, their specific issue aside, right? Going back to this issue of, like, how do we treat qualified professionals, right? We don't always ask them to work for free, right? Like, we don't only offer ment. I mean, right, yeah. So I, I think it's, it's, it's quite common in our, in our community when we think about um, diversifying a workplace, right? When we think about diversification of a board, we always think of who can we identify to do this for free? But when we're talking about really decision-making rules, you know, a board that may be paid, we're not thinking about a person of color, and we need to change that. Mm, I mm-hmm. think it's imperative that we think about um, ensuring that we're not asking people to work for free. We want to make sure that we're giving people the same opportunity. If I'm going to pay Jane Doe, I should be willing to pay John Doe. It's the same thing, right? We should ensure that we're created that equal environment where if I'm qualified to speak for free, and you have a budget, you should find a budget and you should pay me, right? right and I right. think one of the things that I have, have shared and I tell people all the time, if you call me and I know that you're paying some people and you're asking me to come and volunteer, sorry, I, I'm not available. Right. Right. It right. has to be where if you think I'm value add and I'm going to bring something to your program, then you should be willing to compensate me for what I'm worth. We're and talking- the other thing I think mm-hmm. it's really important is for us to ensure that we know our value, right? 
if you're selling something, if you have a service or a product that you have to offer, if you're skilled at something, we shouldn't be giving it away for free. We should be putting a price on that. So when somebody reaches out to us, they know that they're going to show up. And what I do very nicely, I have a one-pager that says, here are my speaking engagement fees, and I share it. That's all you have to do sometimes. It's one piece of paper, save, and then attach, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I want to give, um, so I want to take a quick, quick music break, um, but before we do that, right? So in case, I, I always like to say people could be listening to part of the show, can't finish the rest. We got to give them the contact information now, and we'll review it again at the end. We'll be tweeting, we'll be sharing, so... Let's yeah. Give some so um, again, if you're looking to either grow your business, start a company, looking for access to capital, looking for professional development, business development, um, please call the office, Reba, the Rhode Island Black Business Association at 401-383-1179. Again, that phone number is 401-383-1179. You could also find us on the web at www.ri-bba.com. If you want to send us an email, you can do so at info at ri-bba.com. And we've got more info coming at folks about the Rhode Island Black Business Association. You're listening to Sonic Watermelons. Jess is in the studio. I'm Razor Rights. DJ Kellen's about to bring it with some more music. Lisa's coming back soon. Sonic Watermelons. Sonic Watermelons, we are back in the building. DJ Kellen, lovely set. As Jess commented, it was a mini set, but still a goodie. Jess, you're over there tweeting like a maniac. Shout-outs to Jose. He's one of our co-hosts and co-producers, so he's out there supporting through sharing tweets and letting other folks know about Rhode Island Black Business Association. One of the other people I want to shout out is a young man named Kabir who works with us. Kabir works with a blog called uh, Sorry for the Blog, this amazing initiative, which is this like collaborative project he's been doing with guys that he graduated from college. Some gals are on the, the group, too, um, but they're like two years out of college, three years, and this is an amazing, I mean, we were talking off air about social media numbers. Um, this, this is a good group, okay? And... This is a young group, and Kabir in particular wants to reach out and talk to you. And so I wanted to kind of ask you, thinking a little bit about Kabir and the Sorry for the Blog crew, I want to ask you about your members. And, you know, like, I don't want to always be talking about young people. Like, I like people of all ages. But just because I have Kabir and his crew in mind, I, I would love for you to talk to us a little bit about your members and, and folks who are part of it and supporting and showing up and, and how Kabir and his sort of younger cohort w can find their niche in your organization. So, yeah, that's an excellent question. So our membership is based upon um, a different membership level. So we have student membership for any student that's in college or high school full-time students, $25 for them to become a member. Um, we have professionals, so somebody may not be necessarily a business owner. They could be a professional, either an accountant, CPA, or what have you. There's also membership starts at 
$100 goes up to about $1,000, different levels of membership. And then you have business owners. Um, they could join for a small firm, $100, or a corporate member like a large you know, Fortune 500 company. They're also members, and their membership would be $500 for 12 months. So membership is open to the public. Um, the information that I shared earlier, they can find it either at www.ri-bbba.com. <laughs> Let me rephrase yeah. that, www.ri-bba.com. That's the best area to find us. They can register online. And also we have tons of networking opportunities where somebody can come and either visit with us if they're looking for an internship opportunity. We also have several internship opportunities. We had students from um, Rhode Island College. We had Johnson & Whale. We also had URI students. So we welcome students to explore if they're looking for employment in some cases or if they're looking for internship opportunities. Wow. So, like, lots of different access points for your organization. Absolutely, yeah. And and one of the things that we're doing, we're partnering also with the young professionals because we know that, you know, the young people are the future, and we encourage them to get involved, not just necessarily if they are a business owner or they're thinking about a business, but, again, if they're in, a, you know, need for a guidance, whether a mentor or possibly a sponsor, and also, if they're looking for volunteer opportunities, there are some students that are, you know, coming out of college, may lack really work experience. We have tons of volunteer opportunities. And then also we have internships. So, again, there's different levels of engagement. But I welcome professionals, students, entrepreneur, small firm, large firm to get involved with the organization. I think, you know, one of the things, so, you know, you and I booked this a while ago. I've been, like, so excited to talk to you. One of the other things that got me excited to have you here is like your social media work, like and posting and updates and stuff like that. Like it's just that you've been kind of out there talking about issues like and really using your social media like as a platform for those issues. And so I really admire that. And also it sort of let me know like, all right, Lisa, somebody I can ask some hard questions to like, we can, we can get into it. And I think that, you know, one thing that happened in between our booking and you being here, right. Are some of the more recent killings at the hands of police, right. Of different black community members, different police who've been killed it's just been really tumultuous like since it was you know again it was just gonna be like a chit chat you know right and I think if there's one thing and this is sort of where the theme of the show for for us as a whole kind of came to today if there's one kind of value that I've seen in the recent community responses um some of the protests in the community but on social media, in our black news sources and spaces, is this attention on black businesses and black banks. And so a lot of folks have been saying, hey, I want to move my funds into black banks, right? And I want to start supporting black businesses. Where do I find a list, right? And so I'm just kind of wondering, like, what your take or read or, um, you know, like, what, how you feel as a black woman who's been sort of like championing black businesses to see finally in some ways right other folks doing that same kind of thing yeah and then i just again let's think about rhode island so if someone here in rhode island said i want to support black businesses like where do they find a list how do they 
So um, I think that's a great question. I don't believe that we have a comprehensive list today of all of our black businesses across the state. There is currently about 3,316 black-owned companies across the state. Out of those companies, there's only 170 that have employees, right? So Mm. we're talking about a total of 3,000-ish and then only 170 with employees, right? When so we look at it from a employed, is that yeah? Mm-hmm. So there's like you know sole proprietorship, maybe just one or two people that are part of the company, and then when you look at the scalability of these companies, right? So in an average, looking at the 2012 census data, we had about fifty nine thousand dollars on an average gross receipt for these companies on an average, right? So what that means from a large perspective, it means that we need to have more black companies that are doing. More, more development, right? They need to do more selling, more exporting. And they need to think about, do I only want to stay in the local market? Should I think about diversification? And what I mean by that is, if I'm selling an orange, should I think about branching out into something else where there's a need, right? Should I think about globalization? Should I think about taking my company global, right? Let me, let's ask a hard one, right? Should I take Should I take my name off of a black-owned business list? I mean... Does, is there danger in that? Are there racists looking for that? And like, I mean, maybe. Well, I mean, I, th- I think there's the there's pros and cons for each. Right. But I think we need to celebrate who we are as black people. Again, for me as a black woman, I don't want to like run away from me because I would be doing a disservice, not just to myself, but to my entire community. So from one, I say for me as a black woman all the way from Jamaica, I love me. And if ever, you know, if I can tolerate me, then I think everybody else should. I mean, I think if we stand united, uh, I wrote something today. I'm not sure if it was on Twitter or Facebook, but we must stand united. And I think if we start thinking about what we're doing, the power that we have as a community, it's not about me or it's not about one person. But if we pool our resources together, we're that much stronger. And I think when we think about the amount of money that we spend, If we take the black money out of the equation from a state perspective, it would certainly have an adverse impact on the overall state's economy. And what we must do as a community is that we must think about all community as value to the entire universe. Mm -hmm. It's not just some people, right? Mm -hmm. But it's all of us. How do we ensure that we're creating that one Rhode Island that we can be proud of? It's not just you have to live in a certain area, right? It has to be a place where we feel that we're valued, we're respected, and that we matter. It has to be. I mean, I think all of us bring something special to the table, and we must celebrate those uniqueness. Whatever those things are that makes us different, those things need to be celebrated. You know, we have one more celebration to talk about. Um, We've got a a few more minutes left in the show, and we have to leave some time for this, right? Um, We have to celebrate your sister, Lisa. I mean, Marcia doing big things. Talk about this. So, yeah, Marcia Wranglin Vassal recently announced her candidacy for District 5 state rep here in Providence. And she's a school teacher. She's been in the system for about 17 years. She currently um, teaches special ed in Providence. But the power is she's a mom of three young men. And she really believes that we need change in our district. And she believed that she brings the leadership qualities to the table that will be really impactful across our state, not just for some people, for the connected few, but for all Rhode Islanders. 
I encourage people that if they don't know her, they should read up about her. I think she would be an awesome state rep. I think she brings something unique from the point of view of a mom, of a school teacher. We know in some cases teachers are not respected. And she believes that we need to come back to where we celebrate teachers. We celebrate all of us. And she believed that she brings really something from a leadership standpoint, really unique and different. So my kind of Marcia story uh, sort of intersects with some of what you talked about. So I worked for a short time at the Urban League and she was teaching there. And, you know, if we kind of fast forward, I don't know, almost almost 10 years, um, I'm I'm teaching now. I'm in a uh, classroom teaching English and have been at this school. I've been I've taught art there also. But I remember your sister teaching in the same and a very similar space. And I remember the students that she was working with, they had a lot of different challenges and yeah. barriers that they were overcoming, Absolutely. you know, beyond the academic ones. And um, I just like... I just remember her patience and sense of yeah. calm and like, like hyper focus. I mean, these, I mean, I think if you're in Rhode Island and following the news, like, you know, the urban league has certainly had a tumultuous time, lots of ups, lots of downs, but I just remember how solid she was in going performing this job of helping these students Absolutely. and like the other noise whether it was the noise of the students themselves or in the organization, like, didn't yeah. penetrate. And yeah. I bring some of that with me to awesome. my teaching. Awesome. Yeah. That, that's wonderful. I mean, you know, one of the things that she talks about is, you know, no one should work 30, 40, 50 hours a week and still live in poverty. So, again, one of the things that she wants to do is really to impact the minimum wages. It has to be increased. So, I mean, we can't talk so much about, like, the different reasons to support Marcia, but I'm I'm just getting back to this election year in general because it's so crazy. Like I mean, it's just like these conventions are insane, and um, you know when I think about sort of like traditionally how we think about the needs of the black community, sometimes it doesn't agree with how we traditionally think about the needs of like the business community and so um just wanted to leave or ask you if some parting thoughts you could um share with us are just like some thoughts for uh candidates and for people working on these different campaigns and on the ground what are you what are we supposed to be telling these candidates out there about the black business needs and constituency i think it's imperative that we bring forward the issues at hand, the issues around lack of access to opportunities, contract, loans, and we must make sure that we're electing people that really understand the need. We must ensure that people are not just coming to our community when they want our vote, and we must vote because we vote on issues, and we must vote for those people that really have our best interests at heart. Not just show up when it's election air, um, election season and then we never see them again. We need to make sure that we're finding those people that are really grounded and connected to the community. Um, we should make sure that when we're casting our vote, that it means something for the larger community, not just about what it means to me as a person. But it has to be bigger than oneself. And how do we get folks out if they're, they're not serving our needs? What do we do? I mean, I well, think I think we have to mobilize. I mean, again, Marcia stepped up. She's not a career politician. She's an example of how do you get into the system? 
there may be a very difficult road ahead, but she's in it to win it. Mm -hmm. And it's how do we ensure that we're mobilizing as a community around people like Marcia, who sees it as, I'm not a career politician, but I see a gap. She talks about having a student murdered recently. She mm. taught the student that died, also the, the young man that did the shooting, she also taught. Wow. So think about the impact as a teacher, as a mom, what ones goes through as they think about the adverse impact. So I encourage, you know, the people that are in District 5, if you're not in District 5 only, you can support her financially. You can go and knock on doors. But as First Lady Michelle Obama talks about it last night, she said, you know, you got to go out there and knock on every door. And Marcia certainly need a lot of help. So if you're out there in the Rhode Island market space and you would like to lend a hand for a progressive Democrat, again, she's in it to win it. She would love to hear from you. Marcia um, can be reached on Twitter, Facebook. Again, Marcia Wranglin Vassal. Um, she needs a lot of help, but she definitely has a great chance of winning this, and again, not just for her. I think it's more importantly for the larger community. Could you spell Vassal? V-A-S-S-E-L-L. Okay, gotcha. Well, listen, Lisa, thank you so much. Uh, best best of luck to your sister. And, you know, again, here's an opportunity to mobilize. If folks want to do some campaigning and some electoral mobilizing, there's an opportunity. Um, and also, if you're out there, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, and if you want to connect, if you want to give them the website one more time, Lisa? Sure. Um, they can call the office number at 401-383-1179 or www.ri-bba.com. They can also find all of our upcoming events. We have an awards gala in October, October 7 to be exact, and we're going to celebrate some awesome local leaders, so I encourage them to participate and show up for that event as well. Fantastic. Don't forget, folks, we will have these links and these details for you as well. So if you didn't have a pen right now, we've got you on Twitter. Don't forget to follow Sonic Watermelons. We're on iTunes. Yay! We're also on SoundCloud. We've got a new Instagram. This is our first IG night. <laughs> so don't forget about that. Uh, Twitter, you can find us at Watermelon Radio. Um, but otherwise, it's Watermelon Radio on Twitter and it's Sonic Watermelons on Facebook, SoundCloud, Instagram, and iTunes. It's easy to check us out. We'll have the podcast there in several weeks, but sooner than later. Here's a closing tune for you. Lisa, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me.